And welcome, friends, to the Generations Broadcast. Kevin Swanson, your host with you. Bill Jack from Worldview Academy with me this time. And interesting article from Christian Post, Bill, and I want to interact with this on this edition. Americans don't support the reality of gay marriage by Ben Johnson. Now, he's got an argument that he apparently doesn't think that Americans are aware of what is going on in these homosexual marriages. And if they knew it, they would more than likely oppose it. And I'm not sure I agree with him. Americans don't support the reality of gay marriage. Well, they support gay marriage or homosexual mirage. It's not marriage. I'd rather just call it a homosexual mirage. But evidently, they're supporting the concept of it. Right. They they like the idea of it. It is this romantic, idealized vi- vision of if two people love each other. I, I just saw that on news. I think it was MSNBC saying, you know, uh, the Senate has just approved the Respect for Marriage Act, allowing people who love each other to marry each other. Right. So that was the big headline right. for MSNBC. And okay love each other to marry each other that does not um, that does uh, that does not deal with the reality of marriage does that include a woman and her pet yes yeah and and, and you say yes and that's probably where we're going where that's where exactly where we're headed it includes the next step is pedophilia and bestiality mm-hmm, right. and i'm not sure in which order but it doesn't matter because that's the bottom but of the but if barrel. that was romanticized then it which would is, be okay. i mean it's sick to think that somebody romanticize well any of this but if any of it's romanticized, then before you know it, all of the lemmings are in favor of it. Right. And it, that's it, where we are today. It's a fairy tale version of what marriage is. Two people love each other. Why should we prohibit them from, from joining together and sharing their resources? That's the argument I've heard. Well, that's not what marriage is. Marriage is much more than that. It is that, but it's much more than that. And the reality is the physical aspect of marriage, the act of marriage, the consummation of marriage. And they don't want to think about the reality of that. And so it is not discussed in schools in those terms. It is merely talked about in a romanticized fairy tale version of two people love each other. Why are you prohibiting them from, from marrying? Okay. 71% of Americans support it now. That's Gallup as of June of this year. Uh, majorities of many major religious groups are very supportive. Jewish Americans at the top, 83%. For some reason, I, I have no idea why, but Jewish Americans tend to move far, far left and support some of the most evil causes. They have a form of godliness, but they deny the Apparently so. But that's not all of them, so let's be careful. We're not saying everybody, white Catholics, 74%, Catholics of color, 80%. So much higher there. Surprising. That's, a, that's an interesting. Surprising. Catholics of color, 80% support homosexual marriage. White mainline Protestants at 76%. No surprise there. Black Protestants lower, 55%. Orthodox Christians, 58% still support. Hindus, 86%. So just about as high as the Jewish population. Buddhists at 81%, Muslims at 55%, some of the lower percentages. Now, the the, the lowest uh, support for homosexual marriage, the significant holdouts at this point, are white evangelical Protestants now at 35%, which is still too high, 
and Jehovah Witnesses at 22%. That's an interesting, interesting stat. Well, they tend to be pretty hardcore yeah. against these sorts of things. And, you know, there is a fair amount of oversight, may I say, amongst the Jehovah Witnesses. Well, again, I'm not sure I agree with this article that Americans would not support the reality of homosexual mirage if they knew more about it. And And I'm not sure I agree with this. I I think I'm I'm rethinking it as we're talking, and I I tend to agree with him because of the romanticized version of homosexual mirage, okay, of this faux marriage. Because we have not dealt with the reality of it, as he points out. He points out in this article that Americans are very, very much against adultery. That's right, they are. And and America's... You know, of all of the moral uh, mores of our day, Americans have stood consistent on opposing adultery. Now, they're okay with almost everything else in terms of, you know, drugs and drunkenness and uh, uh, fornication and homosexuality, all these other things. But they're still very much opposed to adultery. And it cuts across political classes. Ninety six percent of conservatives and eighty six percent of liberals abhor adultery so it's 89 percent of americans found that quote married men or women having an affair end quote as being morally unacceptable and then he goes on to point out how in the homosexual community that there is no such thing as monogamy no 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 okay even those who claim that they are in a monogamous relationship which is the way that faux marriage has been promoted has been has been legalized, there is no such thing as monogamy among homosexual communities. And these recent studies have been done on homosexual couples. And now we've we've had a period of, what's it, Obergefell was 2015, so seven years. So over seven years, you've got a pretty substantial period of time in which sociologists can study these things, and they have. And they found that half, that is 50%, of committed male same-sex relationships are non-monogamous from the start. Okay, so 50% of these men who quote-unquote say they get married to each other, are that's not monogamous. It's, it's a bigamous thing. It's something like that. It's just and lust. It's just lust, right? Lust on steroids. And then he says, because you got the 50% that are non-monogamous from the start, and he says, the average couple claiming to be in a monogamous relationship becomes promiscuous within an average of 6.6 years. Average of 6.6 years. So, you know, that's an additional 25% to 35%. So you're upwards into the 80 to 85 percentage mark where they're just not taking marriage seriously, whatever that was. So what they're calling it is serial monogamy. Right. I'm monogamous for a time period. Right. And serial monogamy. Yeah. Fornication. Right. Well, friends, that's the the sickening part of all of this. But again, I'm not sure I agree that if Americans found out about all of this, that they would care. I don't think Americans care what people do. I, I think they would be they would be in shock and they would say, Don't confuse me with the facts. Uh, yeah, they wouldn't I, believe the facts I don't that he think presents. They care, and I don't think they care. I think Americans tend to say this let people do whatever they want to do. If they want to pretend to be married, so be it. I think that's what the average American would say. Because men have forgotten their creator. That's right. 
and and they're just making it up as they go. Yeah. Americans have friends who are homosexuals too, and they're pretty nice people. Some of the nice nicest people in the world. And we don't want to be judgmental. That's right. That's we right. They've want, got we neighbors. We don't want to risk. Rel- They've got neighbors. They got relatives. They don't want to risk relationships. You hear this all the time. Some of the nicest people in the world do incest. You'd be surprised. What when you find out what people do in their extracurricular hobbies these days? They're nice neighbors. They they're really nice neighbors. Yeah. Yeah, I, and and was, they do incest on the side. Now I'm not saying that incest. Guy. I'm not saying that incest yeah. is legal today. No, I'm just saying some of the nicest people in the world do incest. Now, we, does we that mean that. that you have to accept their lifestyle? No, we hear that with serial killers all the time. Oh, I know you hear that, right? with serial killers. I never would have expected or yeah. suspected him of being he, a, a murderer. Yeah, he was the nicest guy. Yeah. Then he went postal. What yeah. happened? Yeah, what happened? But that's where Americans are. Americans will say, well, yeah, I, I live next door to a homosexual, and they're pretty cool folks. Um, now, friends, I'm just simply saying, you know, it's perhaps uncomfortable to say that's just sin. But, you know, people need to do that. We as Christians need to stand up, and when someone tries to get us to affirm a lifestyle of robbing banks, Living in homosexuality, living in sexual sin. I'm saying a heterosexual couple living together outside of marriage. We can't support that. We're opposed to that. We're against that. doesn't matter how nice they are. We need to be strong and just simply say, you know, that's wrong. And I know it's hard to do, but you should be able to say that. You should be able to say to a neighbor, I notice that you're living in sin with each other. That's a sin against God. But let me tell you this. I'm a sinner as well. And I just cried out for mercy, and Jesus had mercy on me, forgave my sin, and he cleanses me, and I'm walking with him today. And you share the gospel with them. But it's hard to share the bad news and the good news, but you've got to go there. You've got to say that. But Americans don't want that. Americans want to live at peace with all men to the extent that they will not share the gospel with them. We've succumbed to the gospel of niceness, and we've talked about this many times, that we think the gospel is just being nice to people and being accepting and being tolerant of their activities. And we are to tolerate people, but not necessarily their actions. We don't tolerate actions. And so we as Christians, we need to love people enough to tell them the truth. 71% of Americans support homosexual mirage. Americans, I think, are also guilty of so many sexual sins themselves. They don't want to condemn anybody else on this one. Pornography, illegitimate divorce, abortion, sterilizations, these things open the nation up to accept just about any sexual aberration that comes down the pike. And I think that's just one more indication. In fact, there's a fair amount of homosexual porn. Uh, and I believe me, I don't want to go there, but uh, and I don't want to suggest anything to anybody. But I'm saying that there are a lot of heterosexuals out there that are sitting around approving of homosexuality through their pornography choices. Uh, Also, one more thing, but one more reason, and I believe this really works, especially among Democrats, but also an increasing number of Republicans. Listen to this. Do not negate population control. If people can do any form of sexuality without having children, that becomes the highest value in the world. Now, you can break every law of God as long as your goal is to reduce the population. That's it, man. That's another reason why Americans oh, I, are saying, I totally agree. hey, cut the population. This is like 
panic button time, we need to cut the population because they have got this population control zeitgeist that has worked its way through the media and through educational resources into the vast majority of the population to the point where they don't believe that the world can sustain any more population base. Therefore, uh, that will be a justification for every form of sexual perversion. Be back with more in just a moment on the Generations Broadcast. What happens when a culture that was established and guided by biblical principles abandons the faith and seeks to live by its own wisdom? In his latest groundbreaking work, Epic, The Rise and Fall of the West, Kevin Swanson unfolds the dramatic history of Western civilization, highlighting the phenomenal impact that Jesus Christ and his people have had upon the thought, culture, and institutions of the Christian West, as well as tracing the slow but devastating decline of Western civilization and the key factors that have led to our spectacular fall over the centuries. A sobering narrative of gospel hope, this book urges its reader to greater fervency in the work of discipleship and the development of an international vision for the church. This is truly a must-read for any Christian seeking to understand the times and seasons in which we live. You can claim your hardcover copy of Epic, The Rise and Fall of the West by visiting generations.org store today. That's generations.org slash store. And we're back on the Generations broadcast. Kevin Swanson with you. Also, Bill Jack. And Bill, we're looking at this Ben Johnson article from Christian Post. And I want to bring one more paragraph before we're done with this episode. And that is the enthusiasm with which Americans have embraced the disrespect for Marriage Act and Obergefell. Pretty impressive. Now, abortion has been a bit more of a tug-of-war, but not so much homosexual marriage. That's the point Ben Johnson makes in this article. He says this LGBTQ movement has succeeded so dramatically, so quickly, because it has encountered virtually no opposition, even within putatively conservative media outlets. And I did the same thing. I, I looked for any kind of concern about this bill and very little you know franklin graham had one little facebook post but i really didn't see that much i'm like where's the loyal opposition on this one here's peter labarbara founder of americans for truth he wrote do a search of conservative media and you'll see a paucity of articles that are dealing with respect for marriage act compare it to the vote on abortion that was institutionalized row there's a chasm of difference on that He's right. The U.S. Supreme Court is much more enthusiastic. Remember, uh, a number of the conservative justices on the Roe v. Wade reversal said, let's not touch homosexuality. Let's not touch abortifacients. You know, let's be sure that we can kill children through abortifacients. Let's be sure that, you know, these homosexuals can have their sexual experiences any way they can. But uh, but let's allow the states to make the decision on abortion. That was what the conservative justices said when it came to these issues. Very interesting. Very interesting. Uh, H.R. 8404, the so-called Respect for Marriage Act, would allow individuals to sue anyone who questions the full faith and credit of any marriage, although nine out of ten Americans reject adultery. Well, that's the article. 
The zeitgeist is blowing hardest on this one, Bill. The highest form of human autonomy occurs with this issue. Right. And this is the celebration of uh, human autonomy, humanism at its highest form. This is the holiest of holies of the temple of humanism. It is indeed the altar of homosexuality. Well, some might wish to refer to this whole homosexual mirage rage as some ridiculous, laughable charade. That's the way future generations will look back at it, for sure. But truthfully, let's remember, this is sin against God. It's a supremely unnatural and abominable sin against God. And what we're witnessing is the death of a culture here. But future generations look back at these 30 years with horror, utter horror, at what we did. Now, my point is that these social monstrosities, these Frankensteinian experiments, they, they come and go in history. This thing is gone in 40 years. Bill, this thing's gone in 40 years. I, I wish more people would have a 40-year perspective. Okay, 60-year perspective. You, you think of the Indian practice of sati. Do you remember the Indian practice of sati? Yep. It was put, it was put to death, if you'll pardon the pun, by the British. It was. It was the practice of, of throwing the, the wife of the departed man on his funeral pyre yep. and letting her burn alive. It went on for at least a thousand years before Christianity made an impact on the culture. As you said, William Carey fought hard for righteous laws in India, and uh, on multiple times he petitioned the government on infanticide, uh, polygamy, and, and sati, the burning of widows on the funeral pyre of their husbands. Now, he gained the monumental victory on this cultural battle with Parliament's Edict of 1829. Now, we, how do you look at Saudi? You, you know, interview, I don't know, 40, 50 women and a few men down at Walmart this afternoon. You know, just yeah. go down there. And say, how do you feel about Saudi? You know, and explain what it is. Explain what it is and say, ma'am, you know, are you married? Yes. Okay. Your husband dies and we throw you onto the funeral pyre because of your cus- husband. It's custom. Because it's custom. That's what we do. Yes. How do you think she'd look at that? She would be horrified. Utterly horrified. Yep. Utterly horrified, my friends. By the way, very interesting. When the Hindu priests protested against the law as a violation of their cultural practice, the commander-in-chief, Sir Charles Napier, he's a Brit, here's how he responded. You want to know how he responded? When the priests were saying, no, we want to burn our women. We want to burn them to death. We yeah. want to burn more women. Burn more women. They had the signs up, you know, outside of Washington, D.C. Well, this is the response about their cultural practice. Be it so. Be it so. This burning of widows is your custom. Prepare the funeral pile. But my nation also has a custom. When men burn women alive, we hang them and confiscate all their property. My carpenters shall therefore erect gibbets on which to hang all concern when the widow is consumed. Let us all act according to our national customs. <laughs> okay. very, very wisely That's said. A good way to put it, I guess. Yeah. But here's my point. Humanism has brought back these strange practices of infanticide and eugenics and now homosexual marriage. Humanism has brought infanticide and eugenics and homosexuality back into our dying culture. Now think of eugenics. Eugenics, eugenics was really popular in the 1920s and 30s. Mm-hmm. There were a few people speaking against it. You know, very marginal people who were doing radio programs in their basements out on the Western Plains of Colorado. Yeah. There, there were a few of those guys 
Jay Gresham Machen yeah. wrote against eugenics. But, but you, you go online and you find so many examples of leaders. In fact, it was most leaders were standing up in favor of eugenics. Theodore Roosevelt, proponent of the sterilization of criminals and the supposedly feeble-minded. Teddy Roosevelt. Okay? I mean, this was what they did. This is, this is what your conservatives and your liberals would stand for. Eugenics. Alexander Graham Bell published a paper, bluntly listed the steps that would prevent the proliferation of the deaf, determine the causes that promote intermarriages among the deaf, and dumb and remove them. Helen Keller, who is a strident atheist, not a Christian at all, she advocated eugenics. She once said, Our puny sentimentalism has caused us to forget that a human life is sacred only when maybe of some use to itself and to the world. Winston Churchill. Really? These are some of our heroes, right? When you look back and go, they're all good guys. They were standing for something that was ridiculous. They were standing for the absurd. And that's what, you know, the masses were running towards the absurd. And they were, there very few would stand up and say the obvious. Churchill wrote, the unnatural and increasing rapid growth of the feeble-minded and insane classes constitutes a national and race danger, which it is impossible to exaggerate. Hmm. Using the same kind of language that, you know, the crowd was using. Everybody has blind spots. Oh, yeah. W.E.B. Du Bois. No kidding. Same thing. Wow. Promoted marriage and reproduction within the most desirable groups, the talented 10th. Wanted to breed out the lowest group, the submerged 10th. George Bernard Shaw, he's quoted as saying, we should find ourselves committed to killing a great many people. We now leave living and to leave living a great many people whom we at present should are killing. A great many people would have to be put out of existence simply because it wastes other people's time to look after them. That's George Bernard Shaw. People think these are great men. These are great leaders. Oliver Wendell Holmes, remember the justice of the U.S. Supreme Court, three generations of imbeciles are enough. Uh, the inventor of cornflakes, John Harvey Kellogg, same thing. Co-founder of London School of Economics, Sidney Webb, same thing. Degenerate hordes, unfit for social life, should eliminate them. Herbert Hoover, President of the United States, same thing. There shall be no child in America that hath not the complete birthright of a sound mind in a sound body. Wow, what a wonderful vision. Yeah. John Maynard Keynes, same thing. Well, friends, that's a virtual who's who of the movers and shakers of the 1920s and 30s. Then what smashed the movement? World War II. You say, how in the world are we going to reset on homosexuality? World War III. I mean, come on, guys. Eugenics was a thing in the 1920s and 30s. Anybody opposing eugenics would have been thought ridiculous. Get with the modern age. What's wrong with you, you Neanderthal idiot? These were the proud, the elite, the humanists of the day. You heard the language. They're like, we're like the big shots. We're going to eliminate the the unfit. And we're going to create a utopia. Yeah. Homosexuality is the same issue. And it will die out as, as these things always die out, my friends. So just count on it. Now, it's probably going to be World War III. God usually puts a reset button into civilizations in order to correct the insanity of the day. And that's what happened with eugenics. You know, it was eugenics. that was very, very strong in the Japanese mind, as well as the German mind. Mm-hmm. 
that really brought about the, the German pride and yielded to World War II. My friends, God will bring about a catastrophe that will reset human civilization. That kind of thing happens all the time. So why is homosexuality so much more popular than killing babies? I just want to end here just for a moment. There's a libertarian argument that states, you know, you're really not hurting anybody by all this sexual promiscuity and perversion. But the libertarian argument assumes that there is no God, that God does not judge nations, that give way to high levels of sexual anarchy. But that's not the way that history plays out. That's not the way that history plays out. God is the judge of the earth. And God does bring his judgment upon nations that abandon his law in the most egregious ways. Now, of course, the attitudes of sexual anarchy do affect a society. You let that out of the closet, it's going to disrupt the schools. What do you think, Bill? Has it happened? Has it affected the children? Has it affected children's media? Has it spread like a cancer already? Yes. Without doubt. And, 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 and there will be instances in which these folks who live un, under the attitude of sexual anarchy, they will try to adopt children, and then their promiscuity will affect the lives of children in so many ways. This purely libertarian view that states mutually consenting adults can do whatever they want to do is just absurd. We don't live in bubbles, my friends. We don't live in bubbles. As Christians, we simply cannot pamper ourselves or others in our sins. Don't pamper the alcoholic. Don't pamper the homosexual. Don't pamper liars and adulterers. And don't pamper yourself in your own sins. But, but rather, bring the gospel to bear. Here's what Paul says in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, Know ye not that the unrighteous shall not inherit the kingdom of God? Be not deceived. Neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor effeminate, nor homosexuals, nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor extortioners shall inherit the kingdom of God. And such were some of you, but you are washed, you are sanctified, you are justified in the name of the Lord Jesus and by the Spirit of our God. And therein lies the hope. The Amen. Hope, the hope and, of our Lord. And that's what we need to share with our neighbors. Don't, don't be afraid. Don't be fearful. Don't be given to homophobia, which means you're afraid of homosexuals, of witnessing to them, of bringing the gospel to them, or you're afraid of their, the activists and what they're going to do to you, or you're afraid of getting sued if you stand up and say, you know what, homosexuality is a sin against God, and so is adultery, and so is all forms of sexual sin, heterosexual or homosexual, and we need to repent of our sins and turn to Jesus Christ because he died on the cross for us in order to cleanse us and to forgive us of these sins. Don't be afraid to stand up to say that. Don't be homophobic. We've already dealt with that before in the program, but let me end with that on this edition, my friends. If you'd like to understand how civilizations rise and fall and what is happening with the fall, the demise of Western civilization, and where we're going from here, get a copy of Epoch, The Rise and Fall of the West. Now available at generations.org. This is Kevin Swanson inviting you back again next time as we continue to lay down a vision for the next generation.